You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Today is Bears-Vikings preview day. Yes, there is a lot to discuss considering the injury report that came out on Friday afternoon. I'll get to that in a second. I've been enjoying college football all day. There's a lot to discuss (laughs) from uh, Northwestern with some really questionable decisions about going for two. And I know the math says go for two down nine, but that second, that last time we had to make it, we had a chance to make it a one possession game with like two minutes left in the game. I'm just sitting there going, why not kick it? In that play, like sometimes the the math is the math and I get that. But I also think that game flow and the thing that your team is playing with is hope. And once you once you don't make that second two point conversion, you got no hope and you've added an extra possession. Whatever. Um, Just watch Clemson hang on to beat North Carolina and watch Bama after a bad start roll all over Ole Miss And I thought Notre Dame was going to be in for a much greater fight today, but Virginia's offensive line doesn't seem willing to block anybody. So Notre Dame is able to take care of business and follow up a good loss against Georgia last week with a really strong win. But that's not why you clicked on this. You clicked on this for for Bears stuff. Um, I want to share an interview that I did yesterday with Matthew Collar. As kind of the bulk of today's pod, but I want to give you just a couple of things from my perspective first, and then I'll share what Matthew had to say about this game. Uh, he's he's my counterpart in Minneapolis, and he's really really good, and he knows that that Vikings team very well. Taylor Gabriel is in the concussion protocol, so that's a worry. He's not going to play. He's out. Bilal Nichols is out, and then you have some question marks. You, you have. Akeem Hicks being questionable. So the depth of defensive tackle for the Bears is going to get tested tomorrow. If Even if Akeem Hicks plays, it's going to get tested tomorrow because of no Bilal Nichols and the challenge of dealing with a, a run game right now that is the best in the league. Like Dalvin Cook has been the best back in the league so far. It could be sloppy. And let me take a look at the latest weather report for the game here looking at the weather on my phone it looks as if there's going to be rain or the chance of rain a high probability of rain for most of the day including when the bears play i also think that that can make it very interesting for the kicking games of both teams considering that both teams struggle to kick the ball well so those are a couple things, and that's before we get to quarterback play. And you'll hear me and Matthew go into a little bit more depth on it. But the Vikings have 
limited and sometimes game flow has limited what Kirk Cousins has done in the passing game. I think that they're more comfortable when they see him passing the ball somewhere between 20 and 25 times a game. I think the Bears have now shown you that they're probably more comfortable with Mitchell Trubisky throwing the ball somewhere between 25 and 30 times a game. Once you get above that, I think it's dangerous or you're talking about a team that's playing from behind. The Vikings defense has playmakers on absolutely every level of it. And I think that's what makes them scary. I think that they have a really good defensive-minded coach in Mike Zimmer. And honestly, I think that there's a bit of a chip on their shoulder. I, I think that they were angered by the fact that they were supposed to be the team that were, were supposed to win the NFC North last year. And the Bears kind of walked in and said, no, we got it. We got it from here. I think that there is a chip that they're going to come into Soldier Field with. I don't know if that chip is enough. But this is the uh, the first time where I walk into the game feeling like the Bears are matched from a talent standpoint. The X factor in the first game was that defense. I still think the Bears are a little bit more talented than the Packers overall. I think the Vikings are the most talented team outside of the Bears in the NFC North. But can they utilize that talent? Can they get the ball to Thielen and Diggs offensively or... Is it going to be the Dalvin Cook show? Can Kirk Cousins play well enough within himself that he gives them a chance to win the game late? And last year, what we saw is Jordan Howard be able to close out the Vikings in those games, and he's not here, and we'll see if the Bears' run game can do the job. The Bears' run game has been a problem. The Bears' offensive line has not played as well as I expected it to play, and I think that they are going to get very challenged tomorrow against the the Minnesota Vikings the kicking game issue Eddie Money Eddie Pinheiro Eddie Dinero Pinheiro he's got a pinched nerve in his kick leg so that's not great he can't make it worse but he's clearly dealing with a lot of pain so that's something it looks like Bobby Massey is okay for now But the vertigo thing, and I was talking to some people with vertigo this week because I don't know a lot about it. It could pop up whenever. You could put in your earbuds and then all of a sudden you you lose equilibrium and you're, you know, reaching for the covers in a bed trying to hang on as the world swirls around you. It's very scary stuff. So I hope that, that however he's being treated, that he's okay. And considering that it's a position where it's all about balance, it's kind of scary that you're having some of those issues. So that's kind of my my quick sketch on things to look for inside the game. And I want you to listen to this conversation with Matthew Collar because I think he's one of the really bright guys in our business on the radio side. He does an incredible job covering the Vikings for ESPN 1500 up there. And we had a chat yesterday about this and about this game and I think that you'll enjoy the conversation that we had and it'll get you ready for game day for sure I'll make sure that I have a post game pod it'll be up hot and fresh as soon as I am done with my responsibilities over at NBC Sports Chicago tomorrow we are going to do a quick pregame on Facebook so if you're not following NBC Sports Chicago on Facebook you should because we do a kind of you know off the cuff 15-minute pregame, we take questions from people 
that sort of thing. It's a it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and they will be on after the game is over unless there's some sort of um, crazy thing that goes on with White Sox game tomorrow and they're playing in extra innings on the last day. Please don't do that, White Sox. Please don't do that. So this is me and Matthew Collar chopping it up and talking Bears and Vikings as we preview this week's huge game between the two. I think it's probably the way that Delvin Cook has run the ball. I mean, when you lead the NFL in rushing and you pretty much carry your team offensively for the first three weeks, uh, and I think not that these things matter, but he's been like the FedEx ground game leader or whatever made-up award they love to give to every player. Uh, but he's, he's been in, really, truly incredible. I mean, they, they went back this offseason and they completely redesigned their running game. They brought in Rick Dennison. They named him the run game coordinator, which, of course, we all made fun of that title. But it's really showing up that they're extremely creative up front. And they built their offensive line specifically to be able to run with Delvin Cook, which I know in 2019 doesn't generally seem like a great idea. But you're talking about a guy that has the capability to break off a 75-yard run at almost any time. I mean, he's a, he played two snaps in the preseason. One of them was an 85-yard touchdown. He comes right out in the regular season averaging almost seven yards a carry through these three games. And it has not been fake in any way i mean it's been explosive he's smart he's a great pass blocker he can catch passes out of the backfield and he's sort of done it all in these first three games now the question is can he do it against a very very much legitimate chicago bears defense well i saw your piece where you were writing about dalvin cook the student of the game how has he shown that he is a student of the game over the last couple of years yeah, it's really interesting because this team, I'm not sure that they knew exactly what his character was when they drafted him because he's kind of an understated and quiet guy. He had some issues at Florida State, um, and that's why he dropped to the second round, even though clearly he was a first-round type of talent. And what they did was they put him right next to Terrence Newman, who uh, immediately became a coach right after he was done playing. And, you know, those two really vibed together, and I think that played a huge role in him really wanting to understand the X's and O's and the details of how things work. And you could see it in his running. I was talking to the offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, about this, where they can dial up any type of scheme at any time, and he sees things before they're going to happen. So imagine a guy who is consistently among the fastest miles-per-hour runners, who runs over linebackers at full speed, and then also has Spider-Man vision uh, out there. And, And that's where you get an elite running back that's worth giving the football to 20, 25 times a game. I mean, most teams go to, you know, rotations and things like that, but I think you have here an Ezekiel Elliott, a Saquon Barkley, someone who every other team has to game plan uh, every game, and Delvin Cook probably already has a good sense for what that game plan is going to be, and that helps him even notch it up from very, very good to elite. It's kind of amazing when you have Diggs and Thielen and Dalvin Cook that you're talking about just limiting what the quarterback does, have they figured out the, the, the way that this that game plan should be balanced? And are they taking the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands? Or have they done such a good enough job running the ball that it doesn't matter? Yeah, I think the answer is no, that they have not yet figured that out. But I would also you know, blame the Atlanta Falcons and Oakland Raiders for coming to Minnesota and not showing up at all. I mean, they wasted their owner's jet fuel in both of those games for even flying here. It was 21 nothing in both of them, you know, basically before you could blink. So, of course, they're going to hand the ball off over and over and over when you're up by three scores and the other team can't come back. 
Um, so that, and then there's the game in Green Bay where Kirk Cousins plays one of his worst career games, and it's really not clear exactly how he's going to distribute the ball, what he's going to be good at in this offense. I mean, they've talked all offseason, well, he's good in bootlegs, he's good in play action, but then the Packers came out and said, okay, well, we're going to ignore Delvin Cook a little bit at times, which is partly the reason he put up so many yards, and we're going to come right after Kirk Cousins on those play actions. And largely it worked. It looked like the Vikings were a little unprepared for that. The Cousins panicked and threw that late-game interception that cost it for the Vikings when, of course, they should have handed off. <clears throat> uh, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think that so far it's looked very much like a team that has a game manager quarterback. But I don't really think of Kirk Cousins as being a game manager quarterback. I think of him as a guy who likes to throw the ball down the field and is very good at it, but also makes really, really bad mistakes at the worst time. And those two things kind of go opposite of what we think of game manager. But it tells you a lot about how they feel about him, that they've designed this offense to basically protect him from himself. So there is some regret, some buyer's remorse with this thing. Well... Maybe. I mean, when you look at the other potential options at the time, you it's hard to find one that's much better than a guy who consistently throws for 4,000 yards. I mean, you see Case Keenum in Denver is not very good. Case Keenum in Washington, as you saw <laughs> on Monday night, is uh, apparently thinks that uh, it's like the end zone for first downs when you just put the ball over and they yeah. knock it out. But that's totally fine. Um, you see the major shortcomings of Case Keenum. They were very afraid that Teddy Bridgewater's knee would not hold up. So if Bridgewater looks great in New Orleans, maybe they'll kick themselves a little bit for that one. They could have drafted Lamar Jackson. That might have been my beef of like, hey, if you didn't spend all this money, you could have put it into other places and drafted Lamar Jackson and then imagine how good this team would be. But, of course, when a quarterback drops in the draft, you're not sure that you're going to be able to throw him into a situation where he's expected to win. The only other option that they could have done at the time would have been to trade for Alex Smith. Obviously, we know what happened to him. He got hurt. I think they're a better team if they had the Kansas City version of Alex Smith, but by how much, I'm not really sure. So, I mean, yes, it definitely is a lot of money for a guy that you can't trust and who has consistently thrown away games, and you saw two of them last year against Chicago, um, and that's not what you're paying $28 million for, but it was really a desperation play that I think they felt like they had to make. Matthew Collar covers the Vikings and hosts Purple Daily on Score North up in the Twin Cities. We are talking about the Bears and the Vikings with him. Last year, the Bears were able to generate pressure uh, in both games. Is the, the, the numbers in the run game look phenomenal for Minnesota? Are they prepared and better in pass blocking this year than they were last year? Uh, to quote Randy Jackson, that's going to be a no for me, dog. Um, that's uh, It's been horrendous, the pass protection on Kirk Cousins so far, and there's no other way to describe it. They've been absolutely dominated and mauled, especially in the middle, but now you're going against Khalil Mack, so I'm sure it will be on the outside as well. Um, there's no chance that Riley Reef can handle Khalil Mack by himself, and even when they try to have Kyle Rudolph chip. Uh, that usually isn't super effective either. And, you know, the, the games they've played so far, especially against Green Bay, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith absolutely took this offensive line apart. And that's the big concern that, you know, Kirk Cousins through the first two weeks was pressured on about 60% of dropbacks, which is absurd. But then even the, the sad Raiders got him about 35 or 40% last week, which is still a pretty high percentage. And then Cousins does not have – 
any sense in the pocket to be able to work his way out of problems. I mean, he isn't uh, like a Deshaun Watson or something who can pull the ball down and make some sort of special play. He's a guy that routinely stands there for too long and pats the ball and, and takes bad sacks and throws the, the ball you know, into bad places when he gets overly pressured. So, you know, I, I think that if we're talking about one thing that could be the huge, huge factor in this game, it's not only the fact that the Vikings have struggled so far, but they also don't have their starting right guard, Josh Klein. He's going to be out, and Dakota Dozier is in. And if he plays anything like he did against the Packers, this is going to be a huge problem for the Vikings. Matthew, what are the Vikings saying about Mitchell Trubisky? Well, you, they're trying not to provide any bulletin board material, right? It's well, he's a good quarterback and so forth. And, and it's really hard to talk too much smack about Mitchell Trubisky when he went 2-0 and against your team last year. And you know, the thing that they really have to worry about with him that was a major problem in the two games was his legs. That you know He's going to be inconsistent with throwing. He did make some good throws in the two games. He also threw, you know, in the game in Soldier Field last year, two horrendous interceptions that kept the Vikings in the game and were completely baffling. So, I mean, they know his strengths and weaknesses – that he has this great athletic ability. But that's the area where I've seen over the years here covering Zimmer's defense, where if you have a quarterback that has some legs and can run, a lot of times that's the one thing that kind of gets left uncovered by a Zimmer defense, especially on the third downs. I've seen Matt Stafford beat him in some big situations. I've seen Aaron Rodgers with his legs beat the Vikings in big situations. And I think Trubisky could do that too. I mean, the feeling among Vikings fans is that they should pummel Mitch Trubisky. And if Everson Griffin continues to play the way he has, I think he's been one of the best defensive players in the entire NFL through three weeks, then there is a good chance that Trubisky's going to be running for his life quite a bit on Sunday. Is there the feeling that, that last year, because I know that there was some of that on the Sunday night game where the Vikings were like, well, this game got flexed because of us. It didn't get flexed because of the Bears. Is, is there some, maybe resentment is not the right word, but are they excited about the opportunity to have another kind of national stage to play the Bears at again? You know, I think if you were to take a very truthful, anonymous poll with the locker room, I bet that 95% of the people in there would say they're terrified about the quarterback. I think that that's the feeling. Like, I'm sure that they'll present themselves as like, yeah, this is, this is a big game for us, and it's you know exciting to play another great NFC North opponent and all those sort of cliches. But I think the reality is everybody saw what happened in Green Bay. Everybody saw the big games, the national stages last year, and how many times Kirk Cousins just absolutely fell apart in those big situations. And I think that they're terrified that that's going to happen again. That locker room after Green Bay – Guys didn't know what to say because everyone played really well except for the quarterback. And that happened too many times last year. I mean, not excluding the offensive line, but there were many times where the defense dominated. Even the running game was good, and the quarterback just did not show up on a big national stage. And so, you know, this isn't a game that's going to be at, uh, you know, 8 o'clock Eastern time, but I still feel like it's a pretty good stage here, you know, the, the 325 game at Soldier Field. And Cousins at some point, if this team is going anywhere, is going to have to prove that he can go beat a really good team on the road, on the big stage, because so far he has not done that in his Vikings career. I'm not so sure he ever did that in his Washington career either. It's so funny, Matthew, because if if we just changed names, we could be talking about the same quarterback, because that's <laughs> that's kind of the feeling that's going on here, where you have – some moments from Mitchell Trubisky, where you go, wow, like I get it. And even on Monday, like he made 
an incredible throw to Taylor Gabriel in, in the corner of the end zone. He hasn't been running, and a lot of teams have been very disciplined in their rush lanes to keep him in, to, to make him be a quarterback and make him have to throw from the pocket. But it, it's so weird that had someone just turned on the score as you were talking and didn't hear you say Kirk Cousins, they could have thought that you were talking about Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, isn't this entire game the Spider-Man meme with, like, the two Spider-Mans playing at each other? I mean, this is two teams looking in the mirror. Each of them trust their defense. Each of them have just all sorts of talent with the playmakers. I mean, there's another, uh, I I would say, bubbling thing here that I've heard about over the first couple of weeks with Thielen and Diggs and Kyle Rudolph. I mean, these are guys who have been responsible for why the team wins over the last three years, and they're not getting the football. And I know that some of that is circumstance, but they're, they're looking at the quarterback and saying, wait a minute, you guys paid or $28 million a year, $84 million guaranteed for a guy who isn't allowed to throw it to us? <laughs> like, you've got to be kidding me, right? And so there's, there's some feeling of frustration, too. And that's going to be another thing that they have to, to manage here is, okay, Delvin Cook's your star, your defense is your star, Mike Zimmer and his defensive play calling, but if your wide receivers and your tight end, who's a pro bowler, feel alienated because of your quarterback, how is Kevin Stansky's play caller going to handle that? And I'm sure that in Chicago you run into some of that too when you have Cohen and, and Gabriel and Robinson and all these guys. Cordero Patterson is a heck of a playmaker, and you have a quarterback who can't get them the football. That hasn't bubbled up quite yet. But after that first game, there were a lot of defensive guys that didn't want to talk to to the media, and you wonder if that's if that's become a thing. Real quick, what's Laquan Treadwell doing back there? Uh, let's just say that he knows the playbook, and that's the only thing he's doing back here. They they have no receivers. They got Josh Doxson, and then he immediately went on IR. Chad Beebe went on IR, as usually does happen to Chad Beebe. He gets hurt. And uh, then they looked around and said, okay, does anyone know the playbook just in case? I would be stunned if Laquan Treadwell had a catch on Sunday. I think that what you're going to be looking for a lot, and this could be a huge, huge factor in this game, Irv Smith played extremely well against the Oakland Raiders, and he's looked like he's got a very bright future over the first three weeks. I think they're going to use a lot of two tight ends, and we're not going to see any of Laquan Treadwell. 